This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. We're on that third mega trend where consumers really have taken over the shopping channel. They're walking into stores a lot more informed. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult. You know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customer. They love that. Welcome to Market Scale Retail. I'm your host, Sean Heath. The success of any business is really determined by several factors. Um, You could consider those the ingredients that contribute to a successful final dish. One of those ingredients is personnel, manpower, effort, uh, a good idea to begin with. But one of the most important ingredients to success is your resources, however you define those and how you use those and how effective and efficient you are. My guest on the podcast today is all about efficient application of resources, and I'm really thrilled to have a chance to talk to him today. It's Mike Murphy. He's the Chief Financial Officer for Persona. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sean. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Now, one of the ingredients of a successful podcast, for example, is having a good, knowledgeable guest, and I think I've already won. So we'll just go ahead and call it a day. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I couldn't possibly possibly let you go away that easy. I have to ask you at least 100 questions. My first question, very open-ended, but I know that's how you roll. How do you approach and prioritize the allocation of resources just as a general rule? As a general rule. So it's a really good question. It, It really boils down to the type of business that you're running or what you're trying to accomplish. So my experience We've been with working with lots of various companies, different scales and sizes, but all of them have some basic functions that go along with it. First off, you have um, how you go and get customers coming to your door. How do you find them? How do you contract with them? How do you sell to them? How do you interact with them? Uh, That's in a lot of cases, especially a lot of the high tech companies, that's where a majority of your spend is going. Uh, it's amazing how much you look at companies like Salesforce.com, uh, a lot of the tech companies, the unicorns that are out there, and how much money they spend on customer acquisition is, uh, is quite mind-boggling. Then the next phase is how do you deliver to your customers, whether or not you're selling a service or you're serving uh, or selling a product or something along those lines, you have the cost of delivery for that, right? So if I have to go provide widgets or in this case, let's say I'm selling earbuds for, uh, <clears throat> for a phone, I have to go contract for that, deliver it, and then uh, send that to my customers and have to deal with the costs associated with that. The last area is the area I call GNA, and that's the area where I get to sit in. I'm <clears throat> CFO. So I sit in the GNA function of the uh, uh, of our business, and when you're looking at the GNA function of the business, that's generally where I want to spend the least amount of my money. Even though that's where I sit, I much rather spend as little money there as possible because if I could spend more money acquiring customers and more money delighting my customers, the better off overall I'm going to be in terms of. Um, the value I'm returning to my shareholders. One of my least favorite acronyms is the one I'm about to use. It's ROI. And it's being, it's really being smart in the way you apply these resources. 
In your general experience, what grade would you give most companies in the way they approach the allocation of resources? I would say a lot of companies, it depends on what stage you're in. Usually your large, well-scaled enterprises, they're doing really well in the allocation of the resources. Uh, oftentimes that gets muted by the growth rates. So sometimes you're growing so fast that you're throwing money in a lot of different areas to continue this growth engine. But uh, you know, once that growth engine starts to scale back, you're seeing a lot of those companies are getting very focused in on their bottom line delivery. Uh, and bottom line, we're usually using terms like net income or EBITDA or however you want to measure it. But that's really where companies start uh, really focusing on the delivery. Now, in my view, it's the companies that are smaller or kind of earlier staged where they're starting to win customers, they're starting to get growth. That's an area where uh, you can just imagine they're throwing money at different initiatives to try to grow the business. And they continue to put money in areas that may not be producing the, as you the term you don't like to use, ROI, that those are areas where they could potentially get uh, quite a bit of leverage. And I look at that in terms of you know, everything from when they actually deploy a new IT solution, like a new ERP, for instance, or whether or not they look at bringing in outsourced resources and, and leveraging that in order to uh, lower, their, uh, lower their spend rates so they're able to get uh, focus in on their core competencies. And just because a company is a metaphorical C student right now, this is an area that they could focus on that could very quickly move them up into earning a good A, A minus. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely an area that I know I spend a lot of time in my practice looking at. And it, it goes across the gamut of all different areas in your, in your business, right? So to me, it really boils down to how do you prioritize where is, what is going to deliver the best overall results of where you want to take the company. And in a lot of cases, you know, coming up with the greatest uh, GNA practice or greatest HR practice or the greatest finance organization isn't really what you want to be. You really want to be the best at delivering great customer satisfaction. That might be what your company's about. And that's where you need to, that's where you need to focus your resources and your spend. One of these moments of realization for a company, I think, in their growth process is when they go from being strictly transactional in their approach and they become more strategic. Can you talk to me about how, A, how scary it is for a company to make that move and B, how important it is for them to make that move? Yeah, well, let me give you kind of a, a kind of a for instance. So I've been both in my career on a finance side, you know, the the finance side on in terms of helping out the CEO uh, or the board really build or grow the business, you really need to be strategic in nature. Um, and that takes you getting out of the day to day. One of the challenges I have, I, I look at it, um, I'm currently the CEO of a uh, rather successful company here. But when I first started, one of the challenges I had is I was doing 95% of all the work, every, everything from the close to getting bills out to following up on collections, et cetera. And I wasn't as value added to the CEO who really needed me to help him uh, grow the business. For example, spending time talking on podcasts, talking with you today. 
working with uh, uh, the various teams on ways we can reduce our costs or expenses, how we can look at our investments in sales and marketing and how we can maximize those type of investments, looking at potential acquisitions, et cetera. Those are the types of things that really are strategic in nature and areas that really are advantageous to the, to the business, not having me sitting around and, and closing the books or managing a close. And that's really what one of the focuses that, that we have in the way we approach things is moving, moving things more that are tr transactional. I try to work with my, my teams. In my case, I use my offshore teams to deliver a lot of that day-to-day uh, -day work for me so that I'm able to stay above it and, and, and focus on more, the more strategic value-added items. And one of the more uh, scary prospects is there are so many different types of efficiencies that a company can employ to improve their transition. Can you talk to me about some of the different uh, approaches or some of the different methods that companies can use to really get better at doing more with less within their own departments? Yeah, I mean, the key thing I look at is, so again, sitting in the, the GNA role, one of the areas I look at, it's, you know, I'm here living in Austin, Texas, it's very tight labor pool, uh, hard to find really good resources, and you're paying a premium for the really good ones. Uh, in that case, it's, it's one of those things, could I hire people in Austin to do the work? Sure. But in, in terms of where, as a company, we want to put our spend, that's not the right area for us to put spend. If I could go do that same level of work, in this case, overseas, leveraging our offshore resources, it, it gives me a scale factor of almost three to one in terms of I can bring on three people overseas versus one here in, uh, in Austin. And uh, I'm able to get things done more effectively. I'm able to put more resources behind it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's cost me less. And the other advantage to that is I get the, the add back of time. I'm able to deploy people in a particular region where they're able to work their hours. And by the time I start my day, I get a good handoff. Then I spend my day working and I give my task list at the end of my day and they're off and running again. And that seems to be part of the list of ingredients that, for example, the ability to farm out work or to outsource work is part of an overall effort to improve the process and to leverage the advances in technology that are coming along seemingly every day. Yeah, absolutely. As we talk about these changes to improving our process and leveraging the newest technology, we're always trying to do it more with less. That's the mantra across all verticals in all businesses. Can a limited budget still see significant growth? or Is there a, a ratio or, or a, a calculus that goes into that? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a calculus or a ratio that goes into it, but I but I also look at it in terms of, you know, an everyday startup or a mid-sized company where you have really valuable resources. You know, let's take a look at the finance, uh, finance vertical. Let's look at a everyday controller. Everyday controller is spending 85, 90% of their time just getting the books closed and doing the day-to-day -day accounting type work. 
And this person is a very valuable resource. You spend a lot of money recruiting them. You spend a lot of money training them. Uh, you think about it from a retainment, uh, retain, retainment perspective. You want this person to continue to grow, but that's very difficult for them to grow if all they're doing is spending their time doing what we call transactional type of work. So if you think about it in terms of, of, in terms of that, what you're basically doing is kind of flipping, flipping the switch a little bit. You're trying to empower that person by providing some resources that are less expensive that can do the transactional work so that he or she can be spending their time focusing more from a strategic perspective. That's really what your CEOs, your boards, those, that's what that level of resource, that's what you want to attain, and that's what a good CEO and that's what a good board is going to be looking for, is somebody's able to deliver that. And another key factor, I think, is as a business owner, you need to realize that when you allocate resources, you're doing it in pencil. Nothing has to be forever because where you need to put them today might not make sense tomorrow. And you have to maintain that mental flexibility to be willing to change your focus as needed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, one of the one of the rules I've always had is budgets are always meant to be broken. Um, nobody, I've, I've never met anybody who's had a budget that they've hit 100% of the time, every single time, year after year after year. You know, if you're doing that, then you're not, you're not setting the right targets. Uh, you're not providing enough stretch in your business and you're not allowing yourself any flexibility. I want to, I want to go back in time before the formation of the company. So hypothetical, you have an idea to start a company. You can actually, if you're smart, you can start to apply your resources and your thought of the allocation of those resources before you've actually started the company. For example, in your decision in where to base the company. You mentioned Austin has such a, a, a tight uh, job market. Perhaps as an entrepreneur, maybe it doesn't make sense to start your company in Austin. Maybe you need to be a Chicago-based company. Maybe Denver's the right town for you. There are an awful lot of categories and an awful lot of metrics that companies probably would be better suited to take into account from the beginning. Yeah, and at the same time, too, the same issues we're having in Austin today uh, that I'm seeing are the same issues you're having all over the country. All right, you're still having the same shortage of labor pool. I think unemployment, I saw a metric came out, unemployment's in the 3 to 4% range. Um, it's really a, uh, it's a worker's market out there. Uh, and that's something to always take in consideration, especially when you're trying to come up with uh, or launch a new product or service or, or go to market. Because everywhere you look, there's lots of talented resources, but they are very, very expensive to go attain. Um, and is that where you want to be spending your focus? Uh, and it also depends how you are from an entrepreneur perspective. You might be somebody who's the great builder or the great salesperson. Um, so the resources that you need to add to your business may not be um, in your general forte. It might be something outside your expertise. Uh, and that's really where you need to probably bring in some, you know, talk to advisors and try to find where you can get the best bang for the buck. So, Mike, we've talked about a lot of places that would be smart and productive to allocate resources. 
Let's look at the other side of the coin. What is the number one place you just cringe when you see companies putting their resources? What's the one area that just does not work for you? The, the last place that I want to spend money as a CFO is in the GNA line. Uh, that is the one area where it's hard to get the value add out of, out of those resources in terms of your go-to-market strategy, in terms of your overall customer delivery. Um, and you know, ultimately, you do have to spend money in GNA, but I want to limit that and you know, kind of follows through with the whole process of where I talk about less is more. How do you spend less in the GNA line, but still deliver on all the commitments? Because at the end of the day, you still have to hire people. You have to have compliance. You have to follow through with your deliveries. You might have debt covenants. You might have audits, those things, tax filings. All those things are, are areas that you want to try to minimize the amount of money you spend on. Are there areas that a company generally spends money on where the more they spend, the worse it gets? <laughs> well, I think at the end of the day, when you bring on lots of resources, especially uh, what I call almost a, a fixed spend line. And what I mean by fixed spend is these are resources that are not either selling your product or... Um, or helping you bring on new customers. And they're, uh, you know, GNA is a prime example of that, where you bring on these resources and all of a sudden you have a, a bit of a downturn or an economic downturn. But, you know, a lot of times those GNA resources are the ones that are actually sitting in your corporate headquarters. Those are sometimes the hardest ones to get rid of. No resource is less valuable than the one you're not using. <laughs> exactly. So even a misused resource could provide at least some benefit? Yeah, absolutely. Because even if you have a misused resource, you could potentially redeploy them to doing something of value. Uh, and that's part of everybody's growth as they, as they go through the career, right? Um, the idea is not to be stagnant and doing the same thing over and over again, but given opportunities to move into different roles. It has been absolutely fantastic today to have an opportunity to speak with Mike Murphy, the CFO for Personif. Mike, thank you so much. I feel much smarter than I did when we started talking. <laughs> well, very nice talking to you as well, Sean.